The following podcast contains true stories of sex, kink, gender, or body image. Thanks for being a consenting adult, because here we go. All of my life, I've never fit, but I won't complain and I won't quit. I am enormous, get used to it. Everyone tells me I'm too much. Maybe it's just you're not enough for me. Can't you see? I'm the kind of woman I'm supposed to be. there, and welcome to the Body Storytelling Podcast. I'm sexual folklorist Dixie Delatour, and this week we have a vintage story from high-tech globetrotter Danjo. Wow, what a week. It has been busy here at Body Headquarters. Not only have I been wrapping up my two classes, How to Be Fascinating, Dixie's Secret System for Brilliant Storytelling. And by the way, I'm getting ready to launch the next workshops on that. So if you're interested, send me an email or get on the wait list or something like that. But um, as you know, we're celebrating 15 years next week. And you know that the first show lineup is set and it includes Milena Williams-Haas, Midori, Ryan Vermouth, who you've heard here on the podcast before, and the very first body story from Rachel Lark. It's going to have music by Jefferson Berge. It's going to have Bango. It's going to have our first time coming together in a very long time. So that's show one at 7 p.m. in San Francisco. But we just completed the Best of Body contest, and I wanted to let you know who the winners are. One of these is tentative. I don't think it's going to happen, but wouldn't it be exciting if it did? So who was the winner? Well, it was Margaret Cho, who appeared on our live stream back in 2021. At that time, Margaret promised that when the world returned, she would be on the body stage. So I'm checking in. My expectations are low because she's busy. But guess who tied with Margaret Cho? Me. I have never won Best of Body. I don't advertise myself, but yeah. So I'll be telling a story at the 10 p.m. show. We also have a story from Reed Mahalko, uh, storyteller Sarah Newsom, who you've heard on the podcast several times, and no surprise, Milena Williams-Haas always wins Best of Body, so she's agreed to tell a story in the 10 p.m. show too. She's got a million stories, and I can't wait to hear every single one because she's flying in from New York just for us. That makes me so proud. It makes me feel like I'm living right, you know? If you don't have tickets for the 7 p.m. or the 10 p.m. or you can buy this both show wristband so you can see the whole thing. You can also buy live stream tickets, either both shows or a single show so that you can join us from wherever you are. This is going to be a fully vaccinated, boosted and masked indoor shows. I want to keep everyone safe. So if you come to the live show, that's the expectation. We'll be checking everything at the door. If you've got the live stream ticket, you can just lounge in your pajamas and do whatever the fuck you want. (laughs) 
If you're looking to celebrate sexuality without shame, I invite you to check out Field. It's a fun, easy way to explore. Field is the alternative dating app for couples and singles. Since the pandemic, Field members have expressed a dramatically increased desire to connect on an emotional and cultural level rather than purely a sexual one. You can share freely there about your sexuality, no matter how traditional or kinky you may be. Nonconformity and shame-free individuality is what Field is all about. As the largest dating community of progressive humans around the globe, Field connects the curious and the open-minded. Field has built a community for awesome, ethical, and honest people and aims to create a world where everyone can explore their desires without judgment to design their own ideal relationships. Field was originally designed for people seeking threesomes, and it's the biggest dating app for threesomes today. Plus, Field has features like paired profiles, where you and your partner can link your profiles together to show the Field community that you're a couple. And Field has virtual core, Field cores are areas with high concentrations of members. But if you live in a place where the app is still growing, or you simply want to visit other cities and meet the local humans on field without traveling, you can teleport to one of the field cores. And you can download the field app for free and support the Body Storytelling Podcast by going to field.co slash body. That's F-E-E-L-D dot C-O slash body. So if you're ready to make your wildest dreams come true, try it for yourself. Just click the link in our episode description to get the field app for free today. You know that body of yours? You only have the one. So you want to take great care of it. Put good things inside it. And when it comes to the lubrication that you use, I recommend UberLube. UberLube is a luxurious, high-grade silicone lubricant made from clean, body-safe ingredients. UberLube makes sex better for everyone by reducing friction, not sensation. It's for all kinds of play, vaginal, oral, anal, and thousands of doctors recommend it for its simple ingredient list. That simple ingredient list makes it widely used by people with sensitivities to other lubricants. And many people say, I never knew lube could be this good. Users report loving it on their body and not feeling like they need to wash it off. We all need more pleasure and self-care. And because UberLube loves body storytelling as much as I love their product, they're offering body storytelling listeners a special offer. 10% off and free shipping when you use the code D-I-X-I-E at uberlube.com. Sex in any form is important to your happiness. And if you want to make it even better, make sure your lube is made with the highest quality, most body safe ingredients. Remember, 10% off and free shipping. Just use the code Dixie at uberlube.com. When it comes to lube, nothing beats it. Uberlube, it lets you feel what you want to feel. Well, it's time for a story. And as I told you last week, I've been going through the archives, listening to audio stories from the many years that I've been working on body. This story was told back in 2014. And let me tell you about the storyteller. Dan Joe leads a double life. He's a globetrotting member of the high-tech elite by day and a photographer, banjo player, and organizer of outlaw events the rest of the time. Danjo has been coming to body from the very beginning, 
and has previously told tales of his first sex party with the cast of the Rocky Horror Picture Show Midnight Revival at the young age of 15, and how he lost his virginity to a woman in a foreign country that he met on the internet. This storyteller is an old friend I haven't seen in years. And this storyteller is Dan Joe. Hi, my name is Dan Joe. When I was 17, I lived in Los Angeles and I was working at a conservative think tank. I was young and idealistic and had all the wrong ideals. I thought that the rich should pay less taxes and that people should just say no to universal health care. I've changed. But mostly I took the job because I got to work with Kelly. Now, Kelly was a beautiful 21-year-old philosophy student at UCLA. She looked like Maggie Gyllenhaal, the one in Secretary. (laughs) A little curvier, but beautiful. And I fell in love with her the summer before. So, yeah, I leaped at the chance to work with her, and we worked really closely together. And I even took up smoking so that I could take smoke breaks with her up on the roof. (laughs) And we worked in a big tower, so we would look down on Los Angeles, smoking our cigarettes and talking about philosophy. She uh, was more interested in men who were less available. Yeah, that's part of why she was a virgin at 21. And she really had the hots for our boss, Roger. Now, Roger was a really nice guy. He came from Minnesota, and he was gregarious, outgoing, very handsome, actually. He looked like uh, David Schwimmer, you know, the guy who plays Ross on Friends? (laughs) But a nice body. He later became a physical trainer. And uh, she wanted him to bend her over his desk and discipline her and to be tied up and owned. And this kind of scared me um, because I wanted to do that to her. But he said, she's not my type. Okay, well that makes me feel a little bit better. And we became good friends. He actually became my best friend. I taught him about computers. He taught me about cars. We'd work on his Porsche together. We spent a lot of time together. And one night, I was at his apartment, cute little pad in Marina Del Rey, right by the beach. And he told me that he was gay. I hadn't guessed this but it sure made me feel like he was less of a threat where Kelly was concerned. (laughs) He then asked me if I had ever experimented, if I thought I might be gay or bi. Now, I was so naive at the time that I had no idea he was hitting on me. (laughs) So, you know, a couple weeks later, I'm up on the roof smoking with Kelly, and we come back down, and there's an envelope on my desk with my name on it. And I open it up, and it's a letter from Roger. And it says that he's in love with me. Yeah. I mean, he was my boss. At least he wasn't firing me. But it went on to say that he and Kelly had had long conversations about this and decided that I might be gay. (laughs) 
Now, I was pretty sure this wasn't the case. As I explained to them, I thought about women and about having sex all the time. I could never get it out of my mind. And the only reason I was still a virgin was because I was saving myself. I wanted to be in love. Don't laugh at that. <laughs> I, I wanted it to be special. But they explained to me, like, there are some things that are just genetic and... You really need to accept this is the way you are. We can tell. You're, you're meticulously groomed. And look at the way you dress. You match your socks to your shirt. Okay, that's true, but, you know. I just kept telling them, nope, not gay. Not even bi, as far as I know. But they kept it up. And for the next couple of weeks, it kept coming up again and again. You know, we'd go out to dinner at a fast food restaurant, and Kelly would turn to Roger and say, see, look at the way he eats his french fries. <laughs> and it just never went away. Now, the three of us were all friends, and we did a lot of things together. We would go watch movies at Roger's house. And one night, Kelly brought a movie, Threesome. <laughs> so we, we were sitting three across, on a couch with me in the middle, blanket across us, watching this hot guy on guy on girl action. And, you know, hands were roaming. And after the movie, we, we talked about, you know, could we do that? What, what would that be like? So a couple days later, we all three of us went up to the roof for a smoke break at night. And it was on all of our minds. I don't remember who started it, but suddenly I was kissing Kelly, and then I was kissing Roger, and then Roger was kissing Kelly, and then we were showing off. We got right up to the edge of the roof, and we were putting on a show for the people in the condos across the street. <laughs> and we went for a drive around Los Angeles in Roger's Porsche with the top down, and we drove next to truckers so they could see what we were doing. <laughs> and I was groping both of them, and they were both groping me. Roger's hand kept moving between the gear shift and my crotch, the gear shift and my crotch. And this was fun. It felt exciting. It felt taboo. It felt adult. And I wanted to take it further. I wanted to go back to Roger's place and have us all get naked and see where it went. But Kelly wasn't having any of that. I think she was actually a little bit afraid of sex. I think what she really wanted was to live vicariously through me. So that didn't happen. But we all stayed friends. And, you know, Roger and I knew that there was this happening. And I was 17, and I was still horny. And I realized that I was never going to get it on with Kelly. But, you know, some sex is better than no sex. <laughs> So I agreed to spend the night at Roger's. And I told him, you know, I'm really horny. I want a hand job, but I'm not going to do anything to you. And he said, fine. And he gave me a hand job, and it was fucking amazing. This guy knew how to handle cock. I went to sleep that night in his arms, in a spoon with me on the inside. And I woke up in the middle of the night and I could feel his arm kind of uncomfortably between my butt cheeks. 
And then I realized his arms were around me. And that was just his enormous heart on. His dick was big. It had a name. Its name was King. I still remember the first time I put King in my mouth. Now, I knew a thing or two about blowjobs because my family had one of those illegal cable descramblers. And I watched the Playboy channel for a couple hours every day. And I wanted to know how they did that, so I practiced. I never thought I'd do it myself, but I thought it was harder if I knew what those girls were going through. So I used popsicles and bananas, and I tried it. I trained myself out of my gag reflex. Now, Roger was certainly surprised, but it did nothing to dissuade him from the idea that I was secretly gay. I ended up sucking his cock a lot. We had a beautiful six-week relationship. We went on a road trip down Route 66 in his Porsche, and when the starter went out, I would push it, and he would clutch start it, and I would run alongside and jump in. We went to the Gay Pride Festival at Laguna Beach. We did Halloween in West Hollywood, and I got groped more times in one night than I have the rest of my life since. And now I know what it's like to be an attractive woman every day of her life. A little bit. But it, it just it never really felt right. You know, I was, I was closing my eyes and imagining that I was with a woman. I was with Roger, but I was imagining I was with Kelly. And Roger wanted more. He taught me about anal sex and anal play. And we, we did play around with it, and it was fun, but he wanted to fuck me. And, you know, the thing that bothered me about that idea is I thought it was ruining my plans to lose my virginity with a woman and have it be special in a totally different way. So I held out for a while, but he finally convinced me that it would feel good for me. So I agreed, and he warmed me up. He put one finger in and said, clench, now release. Two fingers, again, clench, release. Three fingers. All right, that's enough, you're ready. <laughs> but I wasn't sure, and I said, put them all the way in, I just wanna be sure. And he did, and he said, oops, you're not empty. And I said, what does that mean? And he said, it means you have to take a shit. And I said, but I don't feel like taking a shit. And he said, well, I don't have an enema, but I do have a turkey baster. <laughs> and suddenly the thought of squatting on the toilet and putting a turkey baster up my ass just took all the romance out of it. <laughs> So I drove home that night, I didn't even spend the night, and I was thinking about it on the way home and thinking, this isn't me, you know, this isn't fair, it's not right. I loved Roger, but I wasn't hot for Roger. And a couple days later, I broke up with him. He was pretty crushed. And then, in, you know, 
some unwise move that can only be explained by youth and throwing caution to the wind, Roger and Kelly and I started looking for a house or an apartment to live together. <laughs> Kelly again backed out at the last minute, and Roger and I found a smaller place together. A little one-bedroom apartment with two beds, and we never did anything after that, but I could hear him crying himself to sleep. I just felt horrible about it. And soon after, I moved out, and I redoubled my efforts to find a woman that I could fall in love with and lose my virginity, and then I don't know what. And I did, and then I got married, and I think, you know, that worked out. We were together for five years, and it was all good, but I think I rushed into things because I felt I had something to prove. So I learned a lot about myself in that relationship with Roger, but I do have a big regret. I regret that I never put King in my ass. Wonderful glow that we come from So locate your swollen bean And then probe the folds of it fiendishly Till you come about infinity times And baby that isn't a crime Suck up flashlights so my soul will not be dark hey. 
sexual with a man at all At 13 I was in my bedroom fucking stuffed animals If I could bang an inanimate object Can't I jam the crotch of a man in my jaw And softly massage it, fellas vomit Like what if the sausage is smelling hella funky? Don't you watch your fucking junk beat? Of course I wouldn't devour icky salami But that goes the same for encounter and stinky punani So in this scenario where I brush my teeth with a penis Let's assume that the penis we're dealing with sparkles the cleanest of all Penis, penis on the wall With those well-proportioned balls song was Going Down by Watsky. Our 15-year anniversary is next week, and if you want to see it, live stream tickets are now available. Better yet, want to see the show for free? If you sign up for Body's Patreon at the $10 level or higher before midnight on February 22nd, you'll get a free live stream ticket to our 7 p.m. anniversary show. You'll get to hear true stories from Milena Williams-Haas, Midori, Ryan Vermouth, Rachel Lark's very first body story, music by Jefferson Berge, and more. I want you to become a member right now. Patreon has been saving my bacon through this pandemic, and I want to say thank you to the people who've gotten me to the 15-year mark. So I'm giving them a free live stream ticket for this upcoming live show, and you can get one just by joining Body's Patreon now at the $10 a month level or higher. But remember, this offer is only available through February 22nd. So go to patreon.com slash body and join our community. Patreon is where our online community lives. Way less restrictions on talking about sex, kink, gender, real conversations, and way more true stories, including yours, I hope. So go to patreon.com slash body, become a member now, and let me know you want a free live stream ticket. This is the best deal going, and thanks for your support. Well, that's our time for this week. Before I go, could I ask you to subscribe, write us a review, tell a friend about this podcast. I've put 15 years into body storytelling, and you telling people your word of mouth means more than anything and allows us to grow. 
And I want to say thank you to the team that make the podcast possible. Thank you to Donal Mooney, David Grossoff, Mosa Maxwell-Smith, Joe Moore, and podcast producer Roman Din Houdiker. I'm sexual folklorist Dixie Delatour. This has been episode 214 of the Body Storytelling Podcast. Thanks for listening. Oh,